Hey folks, welcome to another exciting episode of A Radio Geekly. I'm joined by collective member Godiva. How's it going, Godiva? Not too bad. How are you doing? Doing okay. It's uh the seasons are changing, the colors are changing outside, and so I think I'm ready for fall. How about you? Oh, I'm stoked. Yeah. I got my fuzzy PJs ready. I got the <laughs> Big old comforter ready, all laid out on the bed. I'm, I'm ready. Nice. Are you one of those uh, pumpkin spice latte people? Oh, definitely. I'm so basic. <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin spice everything? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except I think there was a brand of shredded wheats once okay. that had a pumpkin spice flavoring to it. And I think nobody wanted to buy it, and they ended up selling it at Grocery Outlet for 25 cents a box. Oh, my gosh. I tried it. It was the only one I wasn't a fan of. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so your your quarter was not well spent. No, it was not. <laughs> My whole 25 cents. Dang. I wish you could get that back. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about some cool things uh, that we did over the summertime, like the convention season, and then coming up, looking forward to events in the fall. So first off is Rose City Comic Con, one of the conventions that, Godiva, you were on a panel at Rose City. What was the panel called? It was A Love That Has a Name. Okay. And it was hosted actually by somebody we've interviewed before on our show, uh, Paige Mackler, who runs the Feminist Sci-Fi Book Club. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, she'd actually been on a panel the previous day. We had done ours on Saturday, and she'd had another one on Friday. Cool. Um, and our panel on Saturday, the one that we recorded, was about um, LGBT women uh, represented in sci-fi and fantasy. Mm. And then I think we dabbled in just other TV shows as well. Yeah. Have you done panels like this before? No, this was my first panel. Okay. So what were your thoughts? Um, it was fun. It was interesting. I like that it was a smaller panel. We had a very modest attendance of about 40 people in the crowd, but it was great. Um, it was open discussion. I think we had a few writers, uh, straight writers in the crowd as well, who were like gathering ideas. So it was like everybody was just bouncing back and forth. It was a safe space to talk about opinions and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, let's take a listen to part one. We have we divided it up into two parts for your listening pleasure, folks. So let's take listen to part one, and we'll come back. <laughs> It's a little obscure, but I just really think you 
look at their writing, it was written like a love story that they didn't pay off because the producers were homophobes, and that's just how it is. Okay, so now do you have a leadership? I mean, like I said, I really do like great acts, and I'm really into Wine on Earth, um, which has a canon leadership, so. Woo! Uh, yeah. Way off's really great. Uh, just lots of like little ones, but I, I'll, 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 I'll go with Way Off. <laughs> Um, and I've been a huge fan of Black Lightning recently, so I'm just saying Grace all the way. It is candy ship. I love candy ship. Makes my heart warm. My favorite candy ship? It's really random, but it's a ship that, just a ship instead of anything that's canon, but I'm really into the idea of Holdo and Leia. Um, yeah, Lost Jedi. I was like, they have so much history in just what was shown. I was like, there's no way that they work together. Like, in my mind, I was like, Specifically, because 
they've realized that LGBT people are a market that they can exploit for money. And the longer they can string out the possibility that we will be represented, they're going to do it because we will buy into it because we want the representation. And I think you guys are right to just say, I'm not going to until I like know. They're just trying to, I follow a YouTuber and an author named Peter Coffin who talks a lot about the cultivated identity, which is the opposite of your organic identity, which is like your, your being gay, your being trans, that's an organic thing that comes from within you. And all that dating and marketing is attempting to do is to put their product inside your organic identity so that you will defend it and you will consider it to be a part of you in that way. Like, I'm attracted to you, and that's a cultivated identity. That's an identity that I chose, and it's a product that I've put into myself, and that's not great, but as long as you don't let it exploit you, if you see what they're doing when they're doing it, it's, it's okay to have them, but <laughs> fading is just the like very dark side of that, I think. Representation alone is enough kind of bothers me, yeah. because I'm like, I want to see characters I can really relate to, and not just you slap this on them and like, it doesn't mean anything to them as a person. Yeah. Because I consider my butchness to be very important to my gender, both my gender identity and my gender expression. And like these these mean more than just who we're attracted to. Like they have a very special place that, inside of us that changes a lot about how we relate to the world and stuff. And I just don't see that as much in representation. They're just like, oh they're gay, and then they move on with it. <laughs> so I wanna say uh, on that note, like my favorite things, one of my favorite comics right now is called Motor Crush, and the main character is a lesbian, but it's not, like, there's no, it's not like that kind of coming of age story at all. It's just accepted in that world. She doesn't have to struggle with that part of her identity. It's just there. I really like that sort of presentation. That's what I like, like, like too. Yeah, but, like, she's already out. The mom's like, remember when you came out to us as a lesbian? And I was like, oh! And they're just like, it's chill, it's cool, but let's, yeah. Okay. And then she's both with kids. So excited! I just... Have you guys seen Killing Eve? Yeah. Not yet. I heard good things, but it's so bad. Okay. <laughs> I think that it's one of my favorite shows ever. And I think some people might categorize it as debating, but I strongly disagree because uh, Villanelle is queer. It's never said. There are subtle, I don't want to say hints because it's said without it's showing rather than saying she's into. She's very into women with a particular look. It took me a second viewing to kind of realize that from the beginning of the show, which I think is very clever. Um, and I just kind of wanted to geek out about it. I'm not gonna lie. Sure. Yeah, well, the best storytelling is showing, not telling. So, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily put that in the category of baiting, just because it's not explicitly said. So. Right, and I disagree with yeah. people who say it's baiting because I don't think it is. And you're actually raising a really good point about the difference between um, obviously showing something without specifically naming it, and the difference between that and queer dating, because like, if you're just like, I mentioned one time, I kissed a girl, or like, oh, we have this one on-screen kiss that was clearly played to the male gaze, and then it never comes up again, uh, that's like really different, because um, I actually haven't seen Killing Eve yet, I'm going to watch it, but it looks really good. <laughs> it's so good. It looks so good. I know so many of my friends are like, where, where can you watch it on? Uh, I watched it on, uh, while it was live on BBC America. Okay. I it's don't not on your streaming services yet. Yeah, I don't need to talk about it anymore. Oh, no, and why isn't bisexual an option for some of these? Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That it frustrates me so much that they end up, you have to be straight or gay. You can't be bi. It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, like on uh, Orange is the New Black. 
you yeah. never say that Piper is bisexual. They have inmates telling her either that like, oh, you turned straight, or oh, now she's gay. She even, the character even says like, I can like both men and women at the same time. Like, it's not impossible, but nobody even says the word bisexual. Unless she's like, it makes me so bad. Nobody ever says the word bisexual. Oh, I know a joke actually that I heard online. I had to change it up a little bit. Of like, um, what's the difference between Bigfoot and bisexuals? Is Bigfoot actually gets mentioned on TV? <laughs> Which I think is what. Yeah, well, yeah, and like we have more 
advocacy power as a group than we do as individuals. So when it's just the one, you'd be like, oh yeah, maybe you know one person, but you, you don't have to acknowledge the fact that there's a lot of us out there who who are struggling and who need help. Like it, it just eliminates the whole sense of community. And expanding on that, one of the things I really hate in a lot of uh, secular fiction is when uh, there is no sexuality anymore, and everyone just likes to overlook. And it's like, but that eliminates the good that community has done for us. Like, I see that that could be a future, and that is some good future that could happen, but as in terms of representation for us today, I think it is really undermining the fact that our community is what makes us strong now. I know I was really, really insecure until I came out as a butch lesbian and started hanging out with lesbians. Like, that was when I started to feel really good about myself, and so I, that's just always really annoyed me, when they're like, oh, labels don't matter anymore, I'm like, they matter to us now, though, so can we, like, continue to have some, something maybe just talk about it a little bit? Wow, I think it's so wonderful how they were addressing the sense of community and how to express all different walks of life. And I think it was wonderful that that was brought up in this panel. Um, did you feel a sense of community when you were speaking with the other panelists and like the audience and stuff? Oh, definitely. Like I was saying earlier, it was a very open discussion. Um, everybody felt free to talk about what they wanted to talk about, which I also feel like isn't uh, common when you're just out and about I know um not everybody is out as well so I feel like we had a couple of people who were able to just like get stuff off their chest they wanted to talk about yeah yeah (laughs) share their opinions without being judged you know what I mean right yeah that's really cool did you find it as a as like responsive to the audience because I'm sure the panelists had similar thoughts and opinions about you know various topics in geek culture I know there was opinions about you know Nike and how marketing is kind of just like oh we're just going to throw in a queer person here and now you're going to buy our product like did you get that sense of people understanding your perspective when you were talking about these topics oh definitely and we got a little educated from the crowd ourselves there was one point that It was a little extra. You couldn't hear the person that great, so I cut it out. But they started basically matching us in the educated discussion, and I was like, all right, so we should be down there in the audience, and you should be up here talking. Okay, okay. Everybody was well-informed about their questions and what they were talking about. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, then let's continue on and just keep listening to the rest of the panel from uh, Rose City Comic Con, and uh, we'll come back. Sorry, I made you wait for so long. Oh, okay. Um, I was just wondering if anyone here has seen Warehouse 13 at all, because... Could you repeat the title? Warehouse 13? Warehouse 13! Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Because people never bring that up in FM fandom, and I'm like, oh, but we were here. <laughs> so for people who don't know, Warehouse 13 was a show that was on sci-fi from, like, 2009 to 2014, I think. It was Anyway, so why And it was kind of before the big, like, Room of like yeah. get lesbians and things, <laughs> and it was a super show about uh, a team who went to go find artifacts from history, and they're magical, and they had to like collect them and put them in this warehouse. So there's this character, um, her name was Micah, and she was the main character, and she had a male partner named Pete, and they were like best friends, and it was uh, repeatedly said that he was like a brother to her, and they were best friends, and then in season two they brought in um, uh, Ishi Wells. Who's a woman and also and hot? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's great. Um, and she came in and it was a whole thing. Um, and then in season two, they started kind of making her make a like a thing, and the actresses were into it and they were playing it that way, and some of the writers were writing it that way. And then in season three, she died, and it was a whole thing. But then in like season four, they were like, "Oh, just kidding. 
it's not a thing anymore. It was weird. <laughs> also, also, you said she was bi. Oh, she didn't. She didn't say she was bi. She was like, oh, many of my lovers were men. It was, you know. You almost had me. I heard they like, oh, she's such a sucker. I was like, oh, she, no, she doesn't. She just says, she says that. It's like, she's I don't know why I'm such a sucker for that. Like, I just want to say it. Because we have no representation. So now we don't have it. I didn't know I was going to sexual until I was like 20 years old because I was like, well, this is just what happened. It's like, I didn't know. <laughs> and the thing about not saying it, too, and I know that sometimes I used to feel this way when I come out to people. People act like you're just telling them you're changed or something. And it's like, no. This is like, that way, definitely. Yeah. She is the yeah. gayest gay 
not, and then and I'm talking to a man, they're like, what do you want? Yeah, and that's because you don't understand why, why women are hot to women. It's a different thing. It means something different. That's a fantastic example of Cody because she actually wears a lot of like really sort of um, I'm trying to find a word between stereotypical and iconic, but it's like very much like that's a very particular kind of lesbian fashion. Butch lesbian is 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 often called a stereotype, like that they make the non-conforming women straight feel like, oh, we didn't want to be a stereotype, but that's what we have made for ourselves, and they just don't want to actually have us on the screen, and that's what that <laughs> Like that's a really that's a big point of contention for me. I'm very angry about it all the time. But. Yeah, so in answer to your question, basically hang out with some gays, <laughs> get more familiar with the way Become a fruit fly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about a podcast that I listen to. It's called The Adventure Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really love this podcast. I'm still listening to it, and it's great. But I want to talk about the Balance Arc, the first real storyline that they did. It's a TV podcast. I really like the part of it. Um, one thing that I really love about the show um, is that it's created by uh, the three brothers and their dad, and they're all white, cis, straight guys with wives and children. But they managed to like encapsulate having queer characters who are also characters in their own right, and then also having great representation. And um, I don't know if they did this for the other characters, but one of the ones that really stood out to me was they introduced a character um, about two thirds of the way through the finale of the arc, and this was uh, Luke, a trans woman. And before they revealed her, the DM of the um, campaign went out on Twitter and through his social media uh, reached out to actual trans women to ask about how to properly portray her because he wanted to have like canonical representation and when he revealed her he said like this is a trans woman and it doesn't really come up later but it's there in the podcast and he talks to fans about how to write it properly and I just wanted to mention the podcast because it is great representation and it's also really great um, for writers and writing characters that you when you want to have representation but you don't want to do it wrong, there is a way to do that. And you can just reach out to people and have them tell you how to write their identity. Yeah, I like the Mac boys. I've never actually listened to the Adventure Zone because I'm busy playing six to ten hours of TV a week myself. But um, <laughs> but I really like Monster Cracker, so I, I like them as people. I, I hear good things about it. Thank you so much for that recommendation. Also, FYI, if anybody is into fiction podcasts, there are a couple that I am extremely fond of. The Bright Sessions is adorable. Yes, it's so good. It's like if X-Men were a lot more realistic and nobody tried to actually become a superhero with their powers, it was just like, well, I gotta deal with this now. And there's a therapist who specializes in these people with the powers, and like a bunch of them are either just already gay. They say the word bisexual. They say it. And it's like actually like a thing. The bi character, he's a guy, and he has like a thing with a dude before he ends up with like a girl. The guy's sort of bad. But um, yeah, and there's like a teenage boy who just kind of comes to realize that he likes this boy at his school. And it's not like a big deal. And everyone's super supportive and nice. It's wonderful. I love it. Uh, and there's also a couple lesbian characters, um, but so far it's really low key on them. Um, and then also the strange case of the Starship Iris. Um, it's only a few episodes long. Um, hopefully more will come out eventually. But uh, it's a very good like sci-fi fiction one. It's I think it's cute. I was trying to focus on podcasts and everything. Nope. <laughs> hey, uh, fun discussion, guys. Um, so I have a question for you 
that uh, recommendation. Um, so it's kind of to follow up on kind of queer coding and, and queer baiting. How do you guys feel about the concept um, also about how nobody really watches the same movie and that nobody watches the same TV show because we all kind of put our own unique experiences and we have our own like kind of different lenses. Like, you know, as a queer person, you kind of watch everything with sort of that lens of queerness and you kind of see things that maybe other people don't see. Yeah, no, I would say that's definitely true. I think we bring our experiences to everything that we do. I wrote a paper for one of my classes that's not about that, but it's a similar concept in that there's no objective time. Because all of, all, all time is processed through your through consciousness. It becomes subjective through us experiencing it, and there's no way to measure it. And I would say that's a similar, the similar concept, and I'm very glad to agree with you. Like, the way you relate to those characters is entirely shaped by you, and there's nothing that, there's no way anyone else has the exact same relationship with them. Yeah, I think of back to a lot of movies I saw when I was younger and you know, just sort of like, oh, I kinda of, like don't feel like feeling things between characters where like there there really isn't anything there, but just sort of you know, sort of queerness kind of like seeing it throughout things and like, you know, why did I like pick up on that and watching it today and still be like, yeah, I still kinda of wanted them to make out. They weren't going to, but still kind of like maybe imagining this tension. Um, and then I kind of wanted to follow up on the Hayes Codes and make a recommendation for people who are interested in that. It's an older movie now, but it's called The Celluloid Closet. It was a, it was based on a, a book that somebody wrote, um, and it basically catalogs queer cinema. It is, it's cinema specific, but it's queer representation in, in cinema starting from the very beginning of film, and it ends up around the, the 90s, the early 90s. That's basically you know when the book was written. So that's as far as it goes. But it's a really interesting look to see what the trends were through the different times, and then also how far we have come from there, and also like how much we still are behind, and what we're like negative traits and what tropes and stereotypes kind of still uh, exist today. So I think it's it's streaming on on some things. It's kind of old, but it's called uh, the Celluloid Closet. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so it's actually quite sensitive. There's actually quite a lot of lesbians prior to the implementation of Hayes Code. So it's not like it's just like, oh no, gays are suddenly here now. We were never there before. Like, they've been around. Mentioning Dina, I actually just saw an ad for Subaru back in the 90s. Oh, that yeah. Was, yeah, because uh, Subaru's found out that like, it was being their cars. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually made a specific ad, and like, it was two cars side by side. One of them had two mountain bikes on it that were the same size, insinuated that they were both the same sex. One had a kayak, um, right? Yeah, and the other one had a kayak, but one of the license plates said yeah. lover, and that was its <laughs> coding for like, this is a lesbian car because it says no for all But if anybody ever wonders why there's that stereotype of lesbians driving figures, it's because they knew and they, they advertised. They marketed so. to us, yeah. 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 And also, Dina is one of those examples of you can get around producers not wanting to let you be gay. Because like if you see interviews with behind the scenes stuff, everyone was extremely committed to Zena and Gabby being gay and being eventually by the end, like they were straight up married. And they were like, they wouldn't let us do it most of the time, so we just embedded the gayness so deep into the show. It's like in the fabric of the show. Okay, quick podcast recommendation if you want actual real facts. History Queer as Fact. It's an Australian scholars who are all queer. And it's eminently listenable. It's sort of storytelling style. One of the scholars tells the other scholars' stories. Oh, really easy to listen. That's queer as fact. Yeah. Cool. They take primary sources and they take recommendations. Sometimes they'll make an episode if you ask them to. They're 
Pretty awesome panel. Uh, apologies for the uh, sound quality. It was, it was a big space. It was uh, the microphones are more for uh, an echoing effect, so yes. the crowd could hear us, and it, the microphones oh, yeah. weren't really built for recording. recording you know, yeah, no. I got that. I got that <laughs> sense. It was it was an echoey, but yeah, it was still good content to listen to. So thanks for going to that. Yeah, thanks for playing it. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about things upcoming for the fall. A few of our collective members recorded some stuff that uh, you may be interested for this fall season. So let's take a listen to those and we'll come back. This is SW Concert with Radio Geekly. And I am here at the Davis Graveyard in uh, Milwaukee with uh, Chris Davis and with Dave Helfrey, a.k.a. Baron Von Gulo, and uh, we're going to take a little tour and find out some of the magic behind all of this. Yay, magic. Great. Where would you like to start? The Davis Graveyard really is one of the greatest and most famous home haunts in the country, and we got it right here in Oregon. I think it's objectively one of the best. Like some people's like, oh, Frighttown was one of the best haunted houses in the nation. That's an opinion. Uh, the that uh, Davis Graveyard is one of the best home haunts. That's just a fact. It's uh, you have to you got to come check it out if you've never seen it before. My kid loves it. My kid just absolutely loves it. It is a labor of love, and it's done with a whole entire group of people. So there's a whole crew. It's not just me and my husband. We've been doing this for over 20 years now. Been doing building and stuff. So it's a lot of fun to do, and that's why we keep doing it. So this is a true amateur effort. This yes, is, yes. Uh, you didn't come out of uh, the Halloween business and decide to do this. This was, this is a house on a double lot here. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you get your start? 
I started decorating when we very first moved here about 95, 96 on my own. And at that point I was buying stuff. I think Spencer, I don't think Spirit was, if it was around, I didn't know about it. Like pumpkins and really terrible skeletons. And I kept doing that for years and years. And then my husband didn't really care for it. And then one day I had to make a flying crank ghost, which is a very old prop from way back when. It was a mechanical thing. Went in this, before we were modeled over here, this used to be just a barn. It was on top of the barn and everybody loved it. That was it. It was over. Then now all he wanted to do was look up things and make more stuff for Halloween. <laughs> so, and then we just did it. He got one of his workmates involved and then they got his wife and I mean the whole family it's just it's grown into a crew of about nine people and you've got an actual crypt here this mm-hmm. is just right in the middle of the lot so you disassemble and reassemble all of this every year yes styrofoam is our thing now it's our friend so we're here on the uh, first week of October uh, when does the Davis graveyard open to the public so to speak it's really kind of a visual thing right. it's not so much a, uh, a walk around thing when does your work get underway and when does it open up for viewing? Right. It'll, well, lights will start on tonight and then by Friday we should have all, as long as it's not really raining, that's always the thing. <laughs> if it's pouring rain, I can't plug things in in the rain. So if it's not raining, it will have all the effects starting Friday. And those run Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights. And that's video effects, a few moving things. Nothing jumps out and scares you. I have no problem with that. I think that's great. It's just not what I do. Um, and plus I also live I noticed a long time ago when I did one little effect down here on my gate that rattled that I got people jumping back and if anybody's on the street this area is very busy and I really just don't need anybody barreling out into the street and getting hurt so just for safety I'm safety conscious my husband will tell you it drives him nuts when I said be careful be careful so that's why I don't have anything that jumps out and scares you just really and we're all really that lazy by the time we done building this we just all want to sit in the back by the patio fire and, and sit there and not want to run around and scream at people so so this is a real DIY project. If mm-hmm. you can do it, anyone can do it. That's true. That's why we teach classes for tombstones. <laughs> that's why I tell people. They always want, people want to buy them, and I will sell them. I mean, I'm, I usually try to discourage them, but I say, let me show you how to make one, and then you can go out and make more and teach other people how to make more so that we can, you know, you can have this kind of art. This isn't that hard to do. Anybody can, can make a tombstone. I really can teach anybody to do it. How can people find out about your uh, classes? Uh, at davisgraveyard.com, we have a classes tab, and I'll tell you the classes we have. Right now, I don't think we have anything more for the rest of the year, but in June, it should show up what we're going to have for the summer. Well, let's see. Uh, can we look at some things that yeah. people might see during the open house? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's head this way. We don't allow people on the property, and it's all viewed from the street. So we used to have a an original facade that was just the front of the house just basically went up against the shop here this is just an epic sort of medieval looking structure with oh my god how how t- is that it's got to be 20 feet tall the peak wow. that goes up 28 feet this is the new one we just built this one this is the chapel yeah this is the chapel and this has got a very tall spire in it and the spire's got a, a definite weight in it because everybody's always asking me about the wind and it is weighted down. It has huge pieces of ABS pipe that go down like 10 feet into the solid styrofoam. So it would have to take a lot of... I think I'd be more worried about something hitting it than some than the wind getting it. But we're going to find out. But what I'm going to let them do in when they come by for open house is see this up close and personal. We don't let, usually let people touch. But this is um, all been carved by hand. And then this is a foam exterior foam coat that makes it look like stone. So it's a little more... Um, able to be touched than a lot of stuff in our yard we don't usually worry about it because nobody comes into our yard so we're not too much worried about texture but in this one we did kind of do that we used to run a cherry picker for our last facade to be able or actually we ran a scissor lift to get up to do the second one we did we wanted to get rid of that so this is basically barn raising on the front you're putting up the first wall and then the rest of the walls are going on around it and it's just almost um, scaffolding 
just a you're the Halloween Amish. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah, we just wanted to get out of the. the you know, it just costs us money to do that every day, and it it's a hard thing to do getting up and down on the scissor. It just takes a long time. It makes that process so much so much more time. This is an easier way to do it. Much more work to make by far, but as far as assembling it each year, it's going to make our life a lot easier. So really, a lot of your equipment, it's just sort of the normal workshop equipment mm -hmm. that uh, people might have in their garage or in right. their workshop? Yeah, we use a lot of drills and um, reciprocating saws and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we use some hot wire tools. We use quite a few for cutting the big stuff, but almost all the aging and finishing and every, almost everything we do is just with regular stuff you get at Home Depot or even Dollar Tree. I mean, most of our um, texturing before we did this coating was really just done with scouring pads from the Dollar Tree, just those copper ones. And you just break the foam surface up, heat it up, and paint it, and it kind of looks like it's old stone. So how does this compare, Dave Helfrey, with uh, some of the work that uh, Baron Von Gulo's people have done for Fright Town here? It sounds like you have kind of a tighter time schedule when you do your work. It, it has to come together in a big hurry? Yeah, well, for, I mean, Fright Town is a completely different animal than Davis Graveyard. I mean, one of the things that I was actually amazed at how like the the tombstones out there aren't coated with anything that it's just painted styrofoam because we would never do that at at Fright Town because since people are constantly thousands of people are constantly walking through the sets they're touching everything they're trying to see what it's made of they're trying to see how 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 hard they can press it before they put their thumb through it they're you know all that stuff so we you know, we didn't we didn't have that kind of freedom. But conversely, like you know, everything has to be fire retarded. Everything has to be um, pretty solid. You know, like all the railing has to be sturdy so that people don't fall through it when they get scared by somebody jumping out and things like that. We've had some. I mean, we, I mean, we've had that happen. Like the first couple of years of Frytown, we're like, oh, don't put something there opposite this scary thing because people are going to fall right through it. Uh, and so one of the funny stories is that like. One year, we scared people through the walls. People would just, they would get so scared that they would all of a sudden end up in one of like backstage because they smashed through the walls. And it's like we ended up not saving any money because we had to replace all the walls, which really sucked. But, you know, lesson learned. So it's like we were a bunch of artists. We like having our art appreciated. Fright Town is really sort of an interactive art exhibit that was disguised as a haunted house. There's a lot more. I, see, I go to some of these other haunted houses, and I get it. You know, I understand why people like them. There's lots of jump scares. It's dark. It's spooky. But there's no craft. And Fright Town was all about the craft. Unfortunately, craft is very expensive. And occasionally, you're going to get uh, you're going to get your mutton heads. You're going to get your drunks. You're going to get you know. oh, more than occasionally. Oh my God, that's the that's the other reason why we had to build everything so sturdy. Like I was mentioning with like the you know the difference between the construction in Fright Town and the construction. And here at the at the graveyard, it's like we will have drunks. We will have, you know, frat bros and stuff coming on who are just like, you know, the, and, and they're having a little contest to see which one of them can punch the most actors on their way through. It's like all sorts of things like that happen. And we, and we have to compensate for those things, keep everybody safe, keep everybody having a good time. But, you know, I mean, it's like we sort of drunk proof everything. We would never say you can't come in here if you're drunk because we'd lose 20% of our audience, you know, basically. You know, and it's, and it's Halloween is a party. It's a, it's a party holiday. So. And then when the doors open in October, you have a new crew coming in. You have the makeup artists. And yeah. I, I, I volunteered one year, and I was amazed, you know. Uh, I got oh, put at, down in a chair. Right 
Yeah, I got, I got, oh, wow. oh years ago. I, okay. I got set down in a chair and out came the airbrush and pew, pew, yeah. within just a couple of minutes, my face was all textured. Oh yeah, no, we had over, and that was one of the nice things about Frighton since it was created by artists, it attracted artists and artists wanted to come and be a part of it and a number of our artists were started at other haunted houses and they came to fright town and maybe they had to work more or maybe they were making less money i'm not really sure that that was the case but there was there was a uh an atmosphere and an environment of artistic cooperation and 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 building on one another's talents and and experience that made everybody better and it, it, that was true of the makeup artists and the costumers uh, as well, because we could we could create these great big sets and these you know ideas and everything, but the characters are what are going to drive that, and the makeup. So makeup and costume was it was an extension of our art. I think that's one of the reasons why Frighton works so well. But the yeah the makeup artists we were really lucky we had we've had some amazing makeup artists uh, over time. Some of which have gone on to work in you know film like uh, in the the local film industry, some of which slum and come, come came back and hung out at Frighttown uh, between their films, you know, and everything. So there was there was a there was a lot of for a haunted house. There was a lot of talent. Uh, so, yes, we had great makeup. I love our makeup crew. Every single one of them. Is there anything else uh, we should be touring here? Um, so I could show you more monuments, but. Angel Kiss of Death statue in the that's yard. That's a beautiful that's piece. Favorite, yeah. That's I would say on the scale of making a prop, that is difficult. That skeleton, the skeleton posing is difficult, but that body form is from Ghost Ride Productions. Comes oh like this. Gosh, all those bending and yeah. all that had to be bent and then dammed up, cut, like, yeah. yeah, cut them all and then fill it with foam and then sand it out. I mean, even the fingers had to be you know warmed up in water and stuff to get them to bend. People here are very attention to detail. We'll make sure that I'm like, even the heel was wrong on something. They would like chop it off and bend it the right way. You know, so it needs to be a little more like this. I mean, they get very detailed. So everybody's got like ownership. And that's, I think that's how we get to keep the people here and why they keep building. Because it's not just, I joke I'm evil artistic director and I am that. I will say if it can or can't go in the yard, but I will let you, you know, please go and explore what you want to do and how you want to build stuff and bring more ideas. I do not know everything. Like I said, I learned a lot by doing it wrong. So, you know, the only way we're going to get better at doing this, like doing this particular chapel, is to just keep trying something new and see if it's going to work. I I definitely applaud that philosophy. We would do that at Frighttown, too. Mm -hmm. You know, is that you can't can't put a leash on an artist and expect them to do their best work. I mean, it's like if somebody was at Frighttown and they were taking on a project, it was because they knew they were going to do something Amazing, and there was a lot of times that I was surprised. There was in 13 years, I could count the number of times where I needed to step in and stop people from doing something on one hand. The rest of the time, it's just artists were able to, you know, succeed. If you want the artists that you hire to do their best work, you have to allow them to do so. And when, when you do that, the artists flourish. They t- like like Chris was just saying, they take ownership. You know, and it's just it's just it's a better environment. People learn more. People come up with ideas that other people would never come up with. I mean, I remember once a guy came up with an uh, idea at lunch four days before we opened one year. And it was such a good idea. We like stopped what we were doing. We tore down a room that was already in the museum and we replaced it with his idea because it was just objectively better than what I had come up with. It was great. You know, and 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 I love having that kind of collaboration. You know, it's it's is one it's one of the most rewarding things about it, having ever done Fright Town. I'm not surprised to hear that Chris does it here with with her crew because it shows. You know, the 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 love for the art shows. So one more time, sure. uh, 
the Davis Graveyard Open House. Yes, it's October 14th, Sunday. It's from 11 to 5, and it's on 8703 Southeast 43rd, which is the corner of Johnson Creek and 43rd. I'm right on the border of Portland, Milwaukee, so but either zip code. Yeah, it's open all month. It will be, the whole thing is up and running all month, but that's just the only time you're allowed on the property that we let people in, and the dance team will be here. The dance team will also be here Halloween night, too. Dancing. Otherwise, you must stand in the street, and you'll yes. like it. Yes, it's beautiful viewed from the street. It really is. And it takes a while to walk and see all the little details. So it's one of those ones. I have people say, how long has that prop been there? And I'm at like 10 years. Never noticed it before. It's because you weren't, just weren't looking. You know, we don't put everything right in front of you. Like we're giving it to you easy. We're going to make you actually like look at the yard and see the little things. Sometimes things are only seen when a certain light is shining. So, you know, just trying to be clever. Keep it different. And the website is davisgraveyard.com. Correct. Yes, thank you. take this time in the segment open mic music to make a few suggestions for movies to watch during the holiday season i like horror movies it's nothing better than watching a good horror movie get your blood pumping get you excited so these two movies dark comedies on netflix check them out the first one is little evil newly married guy Wants to bond with his new family. Beautiful woman and her son. New family. Working things out. One problem. His new son is actually the son of Satan. The Antichrist. You know that dude. During the whole movie. Gotta figure out how to prevent the Antichrist from destroying the world. And also saving his family. It's fun. Got a little spookiness to it. Perfect blend for the holiday season. The next movie for suggestion is The Babysitter. Doesn't sound like much in the name, but also you can find it on Netflix. It's not just about a kid who has a babysitter, who has a crush on, who may or may not be a cult leader. With a band of bad cult members who would stop at nothing to protect their secret and to execute their plan. So it's interesting to watch this movie and entertaining to watch this whole story play out. So this also is a movie that I would suggest to watch The Babysitter. Hmm. Now... This is where the part of this conversation gets kind of spooky because now we're getting away from the funny stuff and we're getting to the scary stuff. So if you're ready, we got this supernatural horror that I heard few people talk about. So I had to check it out for myself. It's called Heredity and it's a supernatural thriller has ghosts and scary stuff and screaming and more screaming and scary stuff but um yeah seriously um this movie was said to have arisen uh the heart rate of viewers audience members they actually strapped heart monitors or heart uh 
trackers to check people's uh, rates during this movie. And it, it, they said that it ran pretty high. And, and I can tell you from watching this movie, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, it's, it's a good thriller. It's about uh, a family who um, loses an elder. And after losing this elder, a series of bad things start happening to this family, starting with the daughter of the the elder and um it just continues on throughout the movie and it's very suspenseful and it's a thriller and it's a high entertainment value great actors and the heredity is something that you should check out heredity is rated r it came out in 2018 next movie up annihilation this movie is so weird i say weird because it's beautiful it's lovely but it's so deadly and spooky and scary and it's a great movie to watch during the holiday season and and to enjoy all the good chills that you're going to get in the ups and downs from this great cast and amazing special effects make this movie worth watching and gives it that entertainment value so i suggest to you to put annihilation on your list of movies to watch this movie is rated r it came out in 2018 the next movie for review is mara this movie is a supernatural thriller did i say that already I seem to be showing a pattern, but this one is different. This supernatural thriller will keep you awake at night. It's about a criminal investigator who is assigned to a murder. And the only witness is a child, a child. You know, that got to be scary because I told you about scary kids. But this movie is rated R. It came out in 2018, and it's very suspenseful. There's a lot of thrills. It's a crime horror film, so you're going to get some shock value, and you definitely are going to get a lot of bumps in the night. Mara. And rounding up our list of movies to watch during the holiday season, I would like to leave you with The Ritual. This movie you can actually see on Netflix. So this is a bonus movie that you get to see on Netflix if you're a Netflix subscriber. And I'm not endorsing Netflix. No, not at all. The Ritual. A group of friends go out on a trip, a hiking expedition, in honor of a fallen friend. These group of friends encounter some pretty supernatural things and unusual things during a time in the woods and it becomes deadly it's action it's a thriller there's horror and there might be something in those woods it's worth watching check it out it's called the ritual i'm open mic music this is radio geekly episode 26 ghosts and goblins Oh my! <laughs>
Anyway, to uh, wrap up the show, we only got a few minutes left. Just wanted to mention some upcoming events that folks can check out. The uh, Davis Graveyard that Conch was uh, talking about. Information can be found at davisgraveyard.com. On October 5th through the 7th, that's uh, this weekend, at the Hollywood Theater is the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. HPLFilmFestival.com. You can check that out. The Portland Retro Gaming Expo, October 19th through the 21st at the Oregon Convention Center. Information on that can be found at RetroGamingExpo.com. KomoriCon, the anime convention, on October 26th through 28th at the Oregon Convention Center. Information at KomoriCon.org. That is K-U-M-O-R-I-C-O-N.org. And October 27th and 28th, at the uh, conference center in Seattle is Geek Girl Con that myself and Godiva will be attending. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be my first Geek Girl Con. Is Same it? here. Yes. Yeah. We're going to have fun times. I'm just excited to be surrounded by a lot of girl geeks. <laughs> I think I got spoiled, honestly, at Rose City Comic Con with the VIP pass because I was Whoa. on a panel. So <laughs> Wow. It's going to be a little bit of an adjustment yeah because <laughs> everybody was like waiting in line every time i went into the convention i was just like uh i don't know where the front door is i gotta be a pee pass oh. <laughs> <laughs> ha 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 let me turn up my nose i don't have to wait <laughs> there's gonna be so much more fall fun to uh, explore here in the rose city so we will keep you apprised of that but for now take care Thanks so much for listening to this episode of A Radio Geekly. Check us out online at facebook.com forward slash Radio Geekly or on Twitter at Radio Geekly or send us an email aradiogeekly at kboo.fm. This is Just Jess on behalf of The Collective. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you all next month.